Psalm 107, beginning at verse number 27. I'll be reading verse number 27 and verse number 28. And then we'll be reading from Joshua chapter 6, verse number 25. Again, it is wonderful to have all of you here. What a wonderful presence of God is in this house. If you have need of anything, the God that answers is in this house. The God that provides is in this house. The God that heals is in this house. The God that delivers is in this house. If I could sum it all up, I'll say it this way. God is in this house. God is in this house. Psalm 107, beginning at verse number 27. The New King James says, They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. Say wits' end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and He brings them out of their distresses. Joshua 6 and 25. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive, and her father's household, and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even until this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. I'm going to title my message this morning. Your wits end and hanging by a thread. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> Anybody there right now? <laughs> Your wits end and hanging by a thread. Look at your neighbor before you're seated and say, I'm at my wits end. <laughs> but it's okay. Come on, say, but it's okay. Even if you don't feel like it is, say it. It's okay. You may be seated. Since we're in church, I thought it would be good to be honest this morning. So I'm going to be honest in what I say right now. In life, there are times that things do not go as planned. Sometimes something, no matter how good it is planned out, you can have things planned out down to the second, but something along the way will take longer than expected. They will order the wrong windows the third time. <laughs> but I have good news to bring. They are supposed to be in this Wednesday, and so there should be windows by here next Sunday. And if you had not had a chance to look out there yet, I have more good news. All of the ceilings are hung. Most of the walls are hung. They hung drywall until they ran out of drywall. And so now all we're waiting on is the rest of the drywall, and we can have it all full. They're going to be putting in insulation on Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, one of those days when they can get here. They're putting in all of the drainage on tomorrow, and then after that we can put in all the concrete pads and everything else. Let's go. Things are moving fast. But even in that, <laughs> a whole lot of stuff did not go as planned. The fire marshal shows up and they put something on your door. And you're like, are you kidding me? Things do not go as planned or as expected. I mean, have you ever heard or has someone ever said to you, the best laid plans of mice and men? That phrase comes from a poem that was written by Robert Burns and. 1785, so people having issues with things not going right, it's been around for a while. The poem is titled, To a Mouse. The phrase actually reads, The best laid schemes, O mice and men. The phrase essentially means that no matter how well prepared, and this is going to hurt me to say, especially after what I said on Wednesday night, how that I like to be prepared and how I don't like typing it again, I realized what I was doing and what I was saying, that there's going to be times that no matter how prepared we think we are, the plans will still fall apart. And they're going to fall apart due to circumstances outside of our control. As children, we were asked the question, I remember being asked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
The list was very short. It had to do with having hair, being in shape, and being Batman. As you can tell, none of those things have happened, especially not the Batman one or the hair. Those of you that do not know, I'm really not Batman. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just me. Some of you are wondering who Batman is. Ask me after church. I will show you a picture of Batman. And as a child, there's something that you will stand in the mirror and say, I'm Batman. And just try to have that deep voice. But, you know, I don't even have one of those. I couldn't have been Batman with my voice anyway. But there's always someone that's got their, their life all planned out. And it's usually a girl. We're just, we're being honest. It, it's usually a girl that I believe it was second grade that they were asked. And this girl pulls out her life plan and it's laminated. Second grade. She knew when she was going to get married and, and how many children she was going to have and all of those wonderful things. And, and she knew what it was, even in second grade. And, and I began to, to look back and I wondered to myself how she's doing now with that life plan. Because every once in a while, things come along that they don't go as planned. In the 80s, I remember an anti-drug commercial and we were inundated at, at school with things like this is your brain and this is your brain on drugs <laughs> you know and it's just like an egg that's being fried and 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 I, I remember this commercial because they would play it to us and 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 there was an uh, an innocent voice there there was a young man and he's running and, and I looked up the commercial I, I watched it a bunch of times yesterday and 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 there's a guy that's running and you hear like voice and you know kind of like I am when I get going here just in a minute and, and you see the guy's running he's got sweat and, and you hear this innocent voice of a child say when I grow up I want to be a track star and then the ominous voice as another arm enters into the picture and it's the, the arm of a police officer and that new voice, it's all deep. It says, no one ever says, I want to be a junkie when I grow up. Long, along, things just don't go as planned. No one plans to take that life. No one plans to have those addictions come into their life. No, no one plans to have a life that is troubled. No one plans for those things. We want happiness. We want hope. And, and long before Nancy Reagan and, and her Just Say No campaign came along, Rahab was the poster child for things not going as planned. We are first introduced to Rahab in Joshua chapter 2 and we are told that she is and well there's no other way to say it but she's a harlot. I tried to find out maybe there's a different meaning in the Old Testament than there is now of a harlot and no there's not. It's it's still the exact same thing. In fact, one of, the, one of the translations of the actual word, it reads, to commit flagrant harlotry. And I said, that's as far as I'm going in this study. We're just going to keep going. I'm sure she did not plan for this life. She was not at her second grade parent-teacher conference, and the teacher is a little tense there in Jericho school, and she begins to sit there, and she's with mom and dad, and the teacher looks at the parents and says, um, uh, yeah, we asked Rahab what she wanted to be when she grows up, and the teacher pulls out her life plan. No, that's, that's not what was planned for Rahab. Rahab did not grow up hoping that she will have a reputation. Rahab did not grow up hoping that she would be an outcast. Rahab did not hope for the life that we are introduced that she has. But I want us to understand that even though our life may not be going as planned, uh, God still knows where we are. We may have gotten off track. We may have gotten off of what God may have planned for us along the way, but I want you to understand that God knows exactly where you are this morning. He knows that you are in this house. He knows what you have need of. He knows where you are. And so that's why I am not surprised when of all people that the Israelite spies should find, they find Rahab. It was not an accident. They knocked on the right door at the right time. She did not foment right here. And I want to remind us all of something. You did not find God. 
God found you. I, I, I do not want to upset you. You may have been born in this. You may have been raised in this. You could be 5th, 10th, 20th. It doesn't matter to me. What You may be able to trace your genealogy all the way back to the apostles. But even if that is the case, you did not find God. God found you. David said it this way, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Paul says it like this, But ye know not that the unrighteous, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but be not deceived, neither fornicators or idolaters or adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, nor covetous, or, or drunkards, revilers, or extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such... Were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of Almighty God. We've been singing about it for years and maybe we didn't put it together, but how about amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. How about this one? I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love, and it wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus makes me whole. Understand it this morning, that you are here because God wants you here. He found you. He redeemed you. He saved you. God found you. As I was studying for this message, I'll admit that I have not heard this song in a long time. But now I have listened to it multiple times. And I couldn't help but think of it. I was like, I haven't heard this in so long. It says, I'm so glad he found me. In love he bound me with his arms all around me. And he led me to that shelter. And now I'm one of his own. And oh, the joy in knowing with hearts glowing. Someday I'm going to my home, my home in glory and we'll walk on streets paved with gold. Is there anybody that's glad that it found you this morning? I think we ought to take a moment and just say thank you Jesus that you found me. Thank you in the middle of my darkness. Thank you in the middle of the valley. Thank you in the middle of my sin. You found me. Oh, I know. You think you found God. You think that you walked in and you came down to an altar all on your own. May I tell you that God was working that out from the very foundation of the world because he was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world before you were ever a thought, before you were ever a twinkle in your mama and daddy's eye. God already knew. God was already searching. God was already looking. God God found you. I'm thankful that he found me. It was not an accident. He was looking for you. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That translates as he was seeking with the sole purpose of finding he didn't go out and said, I'm just going to, he didn't go shopping like some people do. Women. I'm not going to say who, but women. Some of them, they just like, shopping just makes me feel better. <laughs> it's all right. I have to walk around in those circles as I follow my wife in the stores. <laughs> I, oh, I do, baby. I do. <laughs> we start here, and then we circle the whole place. I'm dizzy. I'm dizzy by the time, and then we get back to that first rack. <laughs> you know what? I do think I want this one. <laughs> Heaven help me. I'm at my wit's end. <laughs> That's not how he does it. He looks down from heaven, and he says, I see them where they are. 
I see them where they're about to be. And I'm going to go, and I've got a plan, and I've got a purpose. And I'm going to begin to move things. I'm going to begin to orchestrate things. I'm going to begin to change things so that they think they're going here. But, oh, I'm about to move them in this direction. I can look back over the last 10 to 15 years of my life, and I can show you where God changed things, where he, where he allowed jobs to not happen or be anymore. He allowed companies to close. He allowed us to move. He allowed us for other doors to open. I'm telling you, I look back and I can see that nothing in my life has been by chance. God's hand is in everything that we do. And he has been searching. He has been looking. One definition puts it in context. And it says that he investigated to reach a binding resolution. Binding. You look at what that word means in its context. And it means a complete fix. He said, I want to bind you to me. And I do not want to let you go. I'm going to bind you to me with a resolution that once I have you, you will never leave me again. So he was on a mission to find you. So please believe me when I tell you that it was not an accident when the spies ended up at Rahab's house. It, it was not. It was not chance no, they were ordered there. They were led there. They were directed there. And believe me, she knew it too. The Bible says in Joshua 2, 10 and 11, For we have heard how the Lord, Rahab is speaking. And she said, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt. And what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan and whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt neither did there remain any more courage in any of our men because of you for the Lord your God he is a God in heaven and in earth beneath may I let you know right now that even the world knows that God is in control they're doing everything that they can to get God out of schools to get God out of everything we do but they are going to have to step back and look and say that God is really in control every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. It doesn't matter to me how much power, how much money God is still on the throne and we're all going to tell him that we worship you. We're going to surrender to him. Why? Because he has all authority. This world can say what it wants but God has all power. And she knew it. And because she knows that she grabs a hold of the moment that she's in, she recognizes, have you ever met someone that you're talking to them and suddenly the Holy Ghost just begins to move and they realize, as you're realizing at the same time, that this is a divine encounter from Almighty God and they seize on that moment. Will you pray for me? Will, will, will you pray for me? Sure, I'll do it when I get home. No, you pray for me now. There have been, I'm telling you, there have been times, there have been times that I've been in the middle of things that, that I'm, we're just talking and then suddenly God shows up and I'm just standing there. I've done it on a job site that I said, we're just going to pray right here and right now. And we begin to pray. I'm telling you, it didn't matter who was around because when you take advantage of the moment that you have from God, it can change the trajectory, not only of your life, but of theirs. It may be that one moment that they needed that someone lets them know that God really cares about you, that God sees you, that God is here to help you, that God is here to bless you. He's here because he's watching and he's searching for you. She says, now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord since I have showed you kindness that you will also show me kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token and that ye will save my father, my mother, my brethren, my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. She said, I know who your God is. And because I have shown you kindness, will you show me kindness? She said, I, I, I want to pledge that you will save not only me, but my family. But she didn't stop there. She said, I want you to also save all that they have. Have you ever, have you ever read this? 
we, we get so excited that the family was saved. She said, I want you to save not only them, but I want you to save all they have. So that when we walk out of here, we're not walking out empty-handed. I read that, and I got so convicted. Because I, I, I asked myself, God, are my prayers big enough? I, I've been praying, and, and, and I, I know that there's, there, there are anointed prayers because I, I'm praying for things that, like, God, save my family. God, send revival. God, bless this family. God, bless that family. God, pour out a blessing that, that's on them. I, I, I ask that you would provide for them, that you would heal for them. And then as I'm, I'm studying and I'm praying, I'm beginning to read this, and I'm wondering if I need to change my prayers a little bit and say, God, not only do I want you to send a revival, to the city of Arnold but I want it to be a revival that turns this entire area upside down I want you to be so powerful in our area that there are other churches that are calling and saying what is it about that church I feel it when I drive by will you come tell me what I feel and all I've got to say it's the power of almighty God I'm not just praying for my family but I'm praying for their family I'm praying for their neighbors for their friends why because my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I could ever ask or even think I don't have to stop with just my family I don't have to stop with just them I say God all of them God don't just bless them pour out a blessing that they cannot contain give them more you are the God of more than enough I prayed. I, I did. I, I, last night I was in my office and I prayed. I said, God, all right, I'm going to start here and I'm going to start now. I want you to pour out a revival in this area that is so powerful that when churches look to Arnold, they don't even know we're here. All they know is God is moving there. They don't have to know my name. They don't have to know the church's name. Uh, I say, God, I just simply want you to show up and show out. I want you to move in a mighty way. Because in the end, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about a lost world. And if we can ever get a hold of it and realize that, God, we're here for one purpose. And that is to get out into the harvest. And that is to get out there on the highways and the byways. To get out there in the, in the uttermost parts of the earth I don't know about you but I want to God I wish to God that he would move so strong that nobody knows who we are but they say surely the presence of almighty God is moving not only in Arnold but Jefferson County St. Louis County I say God send revival to every church to every hamlet to every community to every home God move Just, I want him to move. I'm hungry for him to move. Because God, I know that you are a provider. And it's not your will that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. God, do it now. Do it now. The Bible goes on and says, And the man answered her, Our life for yours. If ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the wall. Did you ever read that? We're talking about Jericho. Her house is on the wall. And then it says, and she dwelt upon the wall. Remember that for a moment, a minute later. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless in verse 17 of, of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land that thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thine house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head and we will be guiltless and whosoever shall be with thee in the house his blood shall be on our head if any hand be upon him we know the story most of us probably 
But they marched, the Israelites marched around the city. As children, we sang a song about it. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. It's <laughs> you got like seven-year-old kids and they're trying to get them to sing that deep part. <laughs> and the walls came tumbling down. <laughs> and that was the guys. <laughs> but we know. Six days in silence, they walk around. One time. And on the seventh day, they walk around six times in silence and then one more time. And after the seventh time, they let out a shout and the walls fell. But remember what I just told you? Where's Rahab live? She lives on the wall. I've never really thought about that before. She lived directly in the line of fire of how God was going to deliver Jericho into the hands of the Israelites. And God sent the spies to a woman that lived on the wall. She lives in a place to where everything around her is going to be destroyed. And I wondered as I was reading and as I was praying, if, not, if, if we have not maybe gotten to this place in our own lives to where we get a word from God and we receive a promise and then immediately we walk out the doors and we understand that we're directly in the line of fire. We're watching as the Israelites are marching around. We're watching and we're wondering what's about to happen. And then suddenly we realize that the walls are about to come down. May I say something to you that I do not know. I was not there, but in my mind and in my imagination, here is what I could see happening. That every part of the wall would fall except for where her home was. It doesn't matter to me if God has given you a promise. Everything else can be falling apart around you, but you are still going to be standing. It doesn't matter what everybody else sees, what everybody else does. If you will stay faithful, everything around you can be crumbling and seeking sand. But on Christ, the solid rock, I'm going to stand. I don't know about you. You may feel like you're in the line of fire, but if you'll hold on, if you'll have a little bit of faith, let everything shake, let everything crumble. Because God has given you a promise and you're still going to be standing. You're still going to be standing at the end. You're going to look and say, look at what my God has done. Look at what he has done. It's one thing to go from an atmosphere to where you've got all the faith in the world. Rahab had so much faith that she said, I want you to save me, my family, not only them, but I want you to save all that they've got. She had to go from that to getting a letter from the king and where are those fellows at to sitting there worrying and wondering. We don't know how long it took them to get back. But she had to go in. And now, I don't know how long it took, but I believe that she got to her wit's end. Her dad would come in to the room and he's getting ready to leave and she would look at him and say, Dad, you can't go. Why? Because it could be today that they come. It could be today that they come. And they told me that if you're outside of my home, that, that they will not be responsible. They're going to destroy. They're going to kill everything that lives. But if you're inside of my home, if you're here, you're going to be safe. Dad, you can't leave. I need you to stay. And the worry and the wonder, I believe that more than likely every morning, the first thing she did before anything else is she went and checked to make sure that the scarlet cord was still there. And then a few hours later, she would go back and make sure that it hadn't moved, that it was still safe. Why? 
because she's worried. She's wondering. She may have a word, but it hasn't come to pass yet. I know you're in the house. You've gotten a word, and you're worried, and you're wondering when it's going to come to pass. I need you to hold on a little bit longer because in the end, you're still going to be standing. I don't need to let everybody say that the world's going to win. It doesn't matter what they say. I'm holding on. I'm at my wit's end. I'm holding on by a thread. But I've got a promise. I've got a promise that God is with me and not against me. Oh, I might be weary and well-doing, but I'm not about to faint. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not walking out. I'm not walking away. I'm holding on with everything that I've got. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I know nothing feels like it's going as planned. You're worried and you're wondering and asking, how, God, are you going to have it come to pass? I can't see how my family's going to be saved. I don't see how the sickness is going to be healed. I know what the doctor just said, and you're at your wit's end, and you're worried. I know what the jobs have said. I know what everybody around you is saying. But you hold on to that thread because there's hope in it. There's help in it. There's a promise in it. And if you'll hold on, if you'll hold on, you'll find that in Joshua 6 and verse number 25, that Joshua saved her and all of her family. But you cannot tell me that every time that her dad would want to leave, that she didn't hear, we will be blameless of this, thine oath that you have made us swear. The enemy is trying to tell you right now that God is given up on you, that there's no way your family can be saved, there's no way your marriage can be healed, there's no way that there's any hope. You might as well give up, throw in the towel, just go ahead and live how you want to live. But there's got to be something on the inside of us that says, I cannot quit, I will not give up, because he is the one that found me in the first place. I didn't find him, and he made a choice to bind me to him I've got a word from God and if I will stay he will provide Joshua 6 and 22 but Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as ye swear unto her you may be barely hanging on but deliverance is already on the way. I know, I know you're weary. I know you're weary and you're at your wit's end, but then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. Can I tell you what will happen if you will hold on? You will get the understanding of this, that it didn't matter that your plans didn't come to pass. As you had thought, God's plans always come to pass. God's plan is always right. God's plan is always on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. I need you to understand that his plan is perfect. The scripture says, I know the thoughts or the plans that I have towards you. That's just more than just a passing thought. It goes in and it says the schemes, the ideas. I know what I have for you, that I'm going to give you an expected end. Not a one that's full of despair and hurt, but I've got thoughts of peace. I've got thoughts of victory for you. You need to understand that God has a plan for your life and if you'll hold on a little bit more deliverance is already on the way deliverance is just around the corner deliverance not only for you but your entire family the New Living Translation says for I know the plans I have for you they are plans for good and not for disaster his plans his plans not mine Oh, his plans never go wrong. He has everything worked out. He has everything. And here is what Rahab did not know. She did not realize that if she holds on, 
she's going to be one of the five women that is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew. Solomon begat Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begat Obed by Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David. Can I tell you that just simply because she held on, simply because she was at her wit's end, and she still held on, it was simply by a thread. She was at her wit's end, but she held on. And because she held on, her name is now in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that the plan is always bigger? The plan is always bigger than you. The plan was so big for Rahab that I am here today because she held on. I am here today because she's the one that had enough faith to hold on that we began to see how that she had here and then there and then we get to Jesus and Jesus is the one that died on a cross. He came. He was born of a virgin. He forgave us of all of our sins. But she was hanging on. Here's what happens when you hang on. God looks down and tries to tell you that's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. If you will hang on, I've already got deliverance. I've already sent it. It's already on the way. You're praying for it, but I've already sent it. If you'll hold on, I don't know how long she had to wait. I just, I, I know that it was long enough to get worried because I've been in some times, you've been in some times, and you're worrying and you're wondering and you're asking God, how long, how long, how long? And God is simply saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me because it's in those times when we don't have answers that we learn to hear His voice because we are listening with everything that we've got because we know that in the moment, and the twinkling of an eye we're going to be caught up that's what's going on right now we've got a a promise and we're waiting we may be holding on but in the end if he doesn't answer my prayers down here I still know that I'm going to hear him say well done my good and faithful servant even if he doesn't do it here I'm not about to give up and miss over there I don't know about you but I'm still excited of the amazing grace of almighty God it's enough to get me to hold on it's enough to let me know that there's peace and hope for everything that I do some musicians come just a little talk with Jesus makes it right I think it was the Hensons that did that other song. At the end, I got to get back to it because I I looked it up. It was another one of those from a VCR tape. It was so it was so distorted, but it didn't matter. They had those harmonies going. Dude was playing guitar. And there's the one part is at the end. Those streets paved with gold. Something about it just got a hold on me. It kind of drag it back a little bit. I'm so glad he found me. He put his arms around me. When I was weary, oh, he, he put his arms around me. My problem wasn't, it wasn't fixed, it wasn't answered yet, but oh, with his love, he bound me, put his arms around me, and then he led me to that shelter. And now I'm one. I think we used to sing it in Louisiana, and now I'm a child of his very own. Could have been the lady that sang it, just sang the words wrong, I don't know, but that's what I remember. Now I'm one 
of his very own. I know it may not feel like it right now. You may feel weary. You may feel like you're alone. But if you'll hear me, there's a joy in knowing. Someday we're going to be going to my home, my home in glory, and walk on those streets. I can't help it. I, I read it, and it's paved with gold. I don't know about you this morning, but there's too much invested on in this for me to give up now. There's too much invested for me to stop praying for my family. There's too much invested for me to give up and walk away. I know I feel like I'm all alone at times, but I'm here to tell you I've never been alone and I never will be because he is with me even until the end. He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. And the same promise goes to you. So what am I saying? I'm saying cry out to him and he's about to deliver you out of your distress. Cry out to him and he's going to come down. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to touch you. He's going to help you. He's going to reveal that he's always been there. Can we stand? Then we get back to the song. So why should I worry about the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, when by my faith I know my God is more than enough. He's more than enough, even at my wit's end. He's more than enough. Even when I'm hanging on by a thread, he's more than enough. My God will provide. This morning, I come with a word of encouragement for you. You are here on purpose. He has orchestrated things. That's right, Sister Betty. He has orchestrated things to let you know. I told them the story of when I was on the phone with you and we both got in trouble. Sister Betty just starts speaking in tongues and the nurse comes in. Betty, are you okay? Sister Betty knew, God knew exactly where you were. He knew that she needed that moment and that time. She may have felt like she, you may have felt like you were at your wit's end and hanging on by a thread. But God said, I'm gonna show up right now. And I'm gonna let her know that I'm here, even her in her apartment. I don't have to wait for her to get to church. And then all of a sudden, God shows up. I need someone to know that God is orchestrating, God is moving things. It's all going according to plan. So here is what I'm going to do. This front is open for anyone that is struggling and needs encouragement. If you need encouragement, in a moment I'm going to ask you to come to the front and we are going to pray. But I cannot preach a message how God is looking for you and not tell you that if you are in this house this morning and you do not know him in the power of his resurrection that he has brought you here for such a time as this. You know how easy it is? I know, I know. It can't, it can't be easy. It can't be do you know what I've went through just to, to simply get here? It's okay. It's still easy. You repent. What is, it? what is that? No, that's easy too. You ask him to forgive you and you have every intent in your heart to turn around and go another way. You lay it all right here. God, if you'll forgive me, I will go another way. I need to know that you're really real. If you'll repent, he will forgive you. He will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't take a long time. He will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We can get the baptism ready and we can baptize you in his name. And you will know that's where God found you. That's where he found me. 
oh, there have been those times in my life when I'm, Brother Chuck, I'm at, I'm, I'm building an altar. And the whole time I'm building an altar and then the fire falls and I'm like, oh, I found God. And God's like, that's cute. Who do you think gave you the strength to build the altar, son? Who do you think gave you the strength to take another step? I've been with you the entire time. I look back after I've taken a few steps away from the altar and I can see the entire time it's been God leading me to this place, leading me to this time, dealing with my heart. It's never been because I wanted to do it. Oh, building an altar, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of pain. That's a lot of pouring yourself out. But oh, when the fire falls and you realize, uh, before the altar, I was at my wit's end. I was hanging on by a thread, but the fire fell. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask us, if you have never experienced Him in the newness of life, He will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in five seconds. It doesn't take long because he's already paid the price and he wants to give it to you more than you want to get it from him. You can receive it. And if you are in this house and you are discouraged and you need encouragement, if you're weary and well-doing, maybe you're not at your wit's end yet, but you feel it coming. I have a word of encouragement that he said if you will call out to me, I will deliver you. I will bring you out of your distresses. Is there anyone in the house this morning that needs him to strengthen you? Is there anyone that needs him to encourage you? Is there anyone that is, I'm tired, God. I'm holding on. I've got a word, but it hasn't happened yet, God. I know that I prayed whatever it takes for my family to be saved, but I'm weary. God, I, I see what they're doing, and I know that you're about to come back, and I've prayed whatever it takes. And unless you do something, God, is there anybody that's weary? Lift your hands all across the house. Right now, in the name of Jesus.
touched